Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Just something different this time of the year. Huh? It's my favorite time of the year. Hopefully it is yours too. It's the fall. It's Indiana outdoors. Oh, take a deep breath. Smell that crisp, fresh air. Satan's breath has left us, hopefully permanently. I had a little outdoor dove experience a couple weekends ago, and it was hotter than Hades, and I was punished for it, but it was still great to be in all God's glory. I, your host, Brian Pointer. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Big program today. We talk about the odd. We talk about the weird. We talk about all things, right? Well, what if I told you, you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago, armadillos in the state. Eh, I never knew we had armadillos. Or as they say down south, armadillas. But now we have a flamingo. What in the world is Mother Nature doing? A flamingo. Yeah, you heard me right. No bears since 1850. We've had four in the last three or four years. Now we got flamingos. Allison Gillette, our non-game bird biologist. What do you need to know so that you can impress your friends in cocktail conversation this weekend? We're going to find out. Megan Abraham, the uh, spotted lanternfly. What in the world is that? And why should we care? Well, our state entomologist is going to tell us why we should care. Or at least why she cares. And the spotted lanternfly in the state of Indiana. Ethan Plumier is going to join us about the big sit. I have to say that very precisely or else I'll get in trouble. The big sit coming up next weekend at Goose Pond. One of a na- It's a national event. So it's a big show. It's Indiana Outdoor Show. Brought to you by Indiana Donor Network. Driven to SaveLives.org. Allison Flamingos next. Here we are rounding the corner. The end of September is upon us. That means October is near. And a lot of folks being or taken to field and forest for sure with a lot of new seasons and other things. But this show could never happen if it weren't for our good friends at Indiana Donor Network, driven to SaveLives.org. Sign up to be that organ and tissue donor. When you buy your hunting and fishing license, couldn't be any easier. You know, we love to talk about things that maybe you haven't heard, maybe to strike up a little, huh, well, here's one, flamingos in the state of Indiana. Huh, who would have thought about that? Joining me now, Allison Gillette, the non-game bird biologist for the state of Indiana. You're becoming kind of a rock star here. We've talked a lot, it seems like, this last year on various subjects. But first and foremost, thank you for being with us today. How have you been? 
great. Thanks for having me. It's a joy to always come on and talk to you. Oh, you're making you're making me blush, but I do appreciate <laughs> it and all the work that you do. And as the non-game bird biologist, tell folks who may not be familiar with what you do and why we do and have been talking so much. What do you what do you do on a day to day? Yeah, so I manage specifically non-game birds, which are species that are not typically hunted. And um, what I mainly focus on are species that are listed, so those that are endangered or of special concern. So usually these are birds that are declining or we don't know enough about that we need to do some more research on them so that we can figure out whether they are doing okay. Um, So that's a lot of what I do in my job is just trying to manage and take care of these species. And so we've talked uh, extensively about species like peregrine falcons uh, and bald eagles. Yes, and those are tremendous success stories. And now I've gotten word and rumor, so I'm turning right to the main source on this, that, you know, well, well, let's talk about this. I've talked to our, our our bear biologist in the state of Indiana, who would have thought that Brad would have become a bear biologist, but he is the fur bearer uh, biologist. And we've talked about bears, which we haven't talked about since 1850 here several times in the last years. Now you're telling me that there's flamingos flying around the state of Indiana. Is that true? Yes, it is true. And I don't think I will ever talk about this again in my life, (laughs) which is quite a, a surprise and extremely rare event. This is the first time. Now wait a minute. Why why are you so de- why are you so defiant that you'll never talk about this again? <laughs> because it's such a rare event. This is the first modern record that we actually have of a flamingo coming to Indiana. That's that's wild. So that's it is, decades and decades of time. It's more than wild. So yeah. is that to say that there were, at some point in past, flamingos here? Uh, they, I would consider them a vagrant, meaning they only come here when things are, something's going on, something's going wrong with the weather. So what ended up happening with this particular flamingo that ended up visiting Indiana was that we think... It got blown off course from the Yucatan uh, or the Caribbean area. That's a, that's a big diversion. That's yeah. a big diversion. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine just hanging out around the Caribbean, enjoying yourself, and then a hey, we got coming a, through. <laughs> uh, this is your cockpit. We're going to make an emergency landing in Indiana, everybody. I know yeah. you love the flamingo lifestyle down in the Caribbean, but you're going to be in Indiana now. Why not take a quick route over there just to see what it's like? It's, hey, you only got one life. <laughs> we are the cross. We are the crossroads of America, Allison. It's, yes, that's very true. <laughs> all right, so let's break this down for a second because, in all candor and all seriousness, as someone who is a specialized biologist like yourself, this is, as you've recognized, a phenomenon. So you think the theory is they may have gotten blown off course? They're here in Indiana. What are they doing? Yeah, they are trying to find food. So there is one flamingo that was found along the Ohio River 
kind of right near the town of Patriot, Indiana. Yep. Um, right now it's been sighted a little bit further south of there, but it's still pretty close to Patriot. And um, this bird is mostly trying to find food because it doesn't know really where it is. And the best thing to do is at least get your bearings straight, but you got to survive. So you got to find food. Um, and so it, that's why it's been hanging out mostly along the mud flats or whatever is exposed for them to be able to wade um, along this river. So it's kind of, it sounds like me on a road trip. Mm-hmm. You know, you get into <laughs> a new town, you're tired, and all you want to do is look for food. And you end up at Denny's at midnight, but that's okay. Yeah. I love it. And now there, this is it. Just one? I mean, is it? Was this flamingo the only one that gl- got blown off track? No, they actually think there were hundreds. Uh, there, even though we've only seen one in Indiana, they have been spotted throughout much of the Midwest and the Eastern United States, where there have been, for example, the. Um, there was a group of five flamingos that were found up in Wisconsin, and that is the farthest north that they've been found. So, I, I'm, I'm, I say this almost every week. I learn something, but this is fascinating to me. So now you have these birds. Did they all just kind of pop up within a few days of each other? Hey, in Wisconsin, we got some. We got some in Indiana. We got some all over the upper Midwest. They just appeared like in a few-day period of time? Yeah, I think it's kind of, it looks like they appeared in that just a few days, but it's mostly because um, birders, once they discovered that first one that got blown off course, they kind of ended up getting super excited about it. And a bunch of birders went out and tried to seek out more flamingos and have been finding them, which is really cool. So um, there have been flamingos sighted in 12 other states. Holy smokes. So are these like the pink flamingos that Jimmy Buffett sings about? Absolutely. (laughs) And some of them are bright pink, and they're really obvious and easy to identify. Let's just take a pause and sound this out for a minute. If you're down on the Ohio River and you're your average Joe or gal and you're doing a little bass fishing, you know, you're maybe taking in some of the activities along the river and you look over... And you see what looks like a flamingo. Could you imagine the conversation that took place, the first person that saw that? No. (laughs) They'd be like, um, hmm. Am I I dreaming? I know that bush light tasted good this morning, but I know I haven't had 12. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) They're like, wait, hold on. Are my eyes deceiving me? I'm not sure. Is that really what I'm saying? Maybe I should get a picture of this. Okay, so... The other thing that goes through my mind is that all of your peers across the country, the upper Midwest, did you just pick up the phone and go, you're not going to believe this, Bob, what we got in Indiana? Well, Allison, you're not going to believe what we got in Wisconsin. How did those conversations go with your peers? Yeah, um, so a lot of these things have been communicated through a uh, free website, which is called eBird. Org. And so this is a place where anybody, any birder who has an account um, or any bird watcher, you, have, you don't have to be a really intense birder to use this. It's for everybody. So this is a platform in which you could upload your bird sightings and then provide evidence of what you're seeing, too. So you can send photos in 
with your bird list as well as calls. So calls meaning like sound recordings of the birds, just to provide more evidence that, yeah, this is the bird that I saw. And um, this is how people have been communicating that flamingos are around their area. So I don't actually end up hearing like, like from a friend that flamingos were here, but I checked up on eBird and they actually have these things called alerts, where rare bird alerts, where you can subscribe to and it will send you an email every day to let you know all the different rare birds that were seen in your state. And that's what I subscribed to and flamingos were on there. And that's how I initially learned about them. I can only imagine your morning coffee that morning when you're looking on eBird. Again, something I wasn't familiar with, but sounds useful, especially for the non-game bird biologist of the state of Mm -hmm. Indiana. And you're sitting there sipping your joe and going, wait a minute, what did they just say? I, I would have loved Absolutely. to have had that taped image of your picture of your face. <laughs> Absolutely, and then I go in. I'm just like, okay, is this verified? Are you sure? And then the best part about it is, you can actually, like I said, upload photos. So I just clicked on their list, and they had photos of it, and it looks like Indiana ag fields in the background. You're like, wow, that is that's definitely photographic evidence. There is a flamingo in Indiana. All right, so now we've got it. It's here. It got blown off track. You got other states that have it, and as far as you know, there is just one that has been seen. So, what do you do? Do you race in and try to help it? Do you watch it and just let it, Mother Nature, take its course? Describe. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would recommend that you give the bird space because just imagine if you're, you know, from from here, and then all of a sudden. You're on a plane, you're just flying alone if you wanted to go on a trip, and you got blown off into, I don't know, the into Africa. <laughs> and you're Good like, analogy. Wait, what happened? You land, you don't know what to do, you got to figure out how to get food, how to get all the things that you need, how to get shelter, and a bunch of people are like deciding to come in and stare at you. <laughs> And, and, and um, for example, take lots of photos of you and have bright lights at you. That can be pretty disorienting and jarring when all you're trying to do is survive. So the best thing to do is just give, them, give that animal some space and let them get their bearings straight so that they can feed on their own. And so when time, the time comes when they're like, eh, I'm actually not in the right place, I should probably leave. <laughs> They'll be healthy enough to make that journey back. So best thing to do is just give them their space. You know, migrating birds are a fascinate. They've always fascinated me from the smallest hummingbirds to the giant Canada's. They have this unique ability like salmon and other migratory fish. And the, we follow the cranes. We follow these birds that travel humongous distances, but have this something in their brain, something in their their system that gets them back year after year, like we are the beneficiaries at, Jeff, at uh, Jasper Pulaski for the Sandhill Cranes, for example. So you as a biologist feel like it's likely that after the disorientation of him being blown off course in the Africa analogy that he's going to say, yeah, Indiana is a great place to visit, but I'm going home and he'll have his faculties about him to be able to find home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do trust that animals have that ability to make it back home. They have this inherent 
that they're born with this to be able to have that sixth sense, if you will, to know where they are in space and then be able to say, okay, I need to go south. And I, I really strongly believe that they will go back. And so they'll kind of right now, I think they'll wander a little bit, get things figured out and then go back home. And there's been evidence of that happening. Like there are plenty of birds that have been tracked to say like, hey, you're pretty far off course, but they figured it out. I think that's fascinating. Allison Gillette is the non-game bird biologist. You heard me right. It's early, and I know you're probably rolling your eyes going, why in the heck is Pointer talking about flamingos? And I can only imagine the people down in the southern part of the state, this has been quite a phenomenon. But I think Mother Nature is going to catch up here pretty quick with these cold temperatures. It better be getting its, it better be knitting its sweater, hadn't it? Yeah, I think because they are so used to tropical temperatures that once the temperature starts to go down a bit, that will push the bird to want to go back home. So, um, and they'll also kind of drive their food resources to, to not be as abundant as they are in summer. And that will also push them back home because they can't find food as well. Allison, you make my show what it is so fun to be with each and every Saturday. And thank you for bringing us up to speed. And is there a website for this yet? The Flamingos? Yes. <laughs> I go to eBird. Definitely right. go to eBird.org to find all that information. But I don't think there is a website specifically on the phenomenon right. of flamingos. Well, unlike how, you st- unlike how you started this, I hope we do talk about this more and more, mm-hmm. even if it is a phenomenon of God. Nonetheless, thank you so much for being here. As always, great story. And I look forward to catching up with you uh, the next time we have some birds getting blown off course or some information that you love to provide. So thanks for being a part of Indian Outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. It's a joy. I hope something fun and new is on the horizon. (laughs) Me too. Thanks, Allison. Allison Gillette, one of my favorites. She is the non-game bird biologist. You heard it here. Flamingos. Well, the next thing you know, dogs and cats are going to be living together. It is so good to be a part of Indiana Outdoors and bring you the strange and the odd. That would be the flamingos. Don't go anywhere. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. We're going to find out what the latest invasive species is from Megan Abraham right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I am your host, Brian Pointer. So great to visit with you. Here we are wrapping up the end of September. We move into, as we say in the biz, Q4. We're rounding the bases, headed to home. And what a great show to kick off, or a great way to kick off the show with Allison Gillette talking about, wait for it, flamingos in the state of Indiana. Hopefully you heard that. And uh, now I'm, I've heard, learned all kinds of new things. Like there's a website called eBird. Megan, Megan Abraham now joins me. She is the state entomologist. Did you know there's a, a website that you can get an alert every day of rare birds that were spotted on this birding community? I'm fascinated with this. 
Yeah, I had no idea, but that sounds fantastic. That's why we I'm listened to Indiana Outdoors. She was so fun to be with. And, you know, she even described the weird weather phenomenons that perhaps blew these birds off course. But as our state entomologist, you deal with probably more or less the same type of thing. We've had some weird weather. We've had some weird patterns. And I saw recently that you're wanting to pay close attention to something called the lanternfly. Is that right? Right. It's a spotted lanternfly. Um, and it's starting to show up more and more out in um, our area in the Midwest. Um, this is an insect that came into the United States in 2014 in Pennsylvania, and they thought it hey, had it fairly contained into a small area there. And it swarmed and honestly got out of there, um, and now it's heading our way. So these insects, though very pretty, are unfortunately very bad for several different varieties of hardwood trees as well as the grape industry. Um, so there's a lot of concern out there right now about spotted lanternfly moving in towards the Midwest and being able to eventually get out to the West Coast. Well, this, you know, Mother Nature is no neophyte when it comes to throwing new things and new things at you and other biologists and it can get a little overwhelming to the general population how would i even know about this lantern fly and as someone who is listening this morning okay pointer what am i supposed to do if i see a lantern fly and what does it look like where do people get what they need to know sure so you can always go to our website at uh, the DNR entomology page, um, and we can you can see all kinds of information about spotted lanternfly, its biology, what it looks like. Um, these little guys are hard to spot when they're adults. Honestly, they're the easiest way to spot them is earlier in the year, in May June time period, when they're out and as nymphs. Um, they've got bright red coloring. They almost look like um, a lady beetle. Um, but right now they're adults and they're hidden a little bit more unless they start hopping or flying from one area to another. And they open their wings and there's a bright red underwing underneath. Um, so you catch this this glint of um, little red as they're hopping around. Um, they're pretty voracious feeders and they can also make quite a bit of... Um, Honeydew, um, which is their the what comes out the other end of the spotted lanternfly, and that honeydew can get infested with something called city mold. So if you find an area that's very infested with spotted lanternfly, sometimes you'll find their excrement or their city mold around the base of the tree, and that's how you can figure out that there's something wrong there. Um, so that's a good indicator. Or perhaps you're seeing a lot of uh, bees and hornets surrounding a tree that they've never been around. Another good indicator that there might be a spotted lanternfly infestation. So these guys are pretty um, poor flyers, but we as human beings keep moving them around. Um, and they really like our transportation. So they'll, they've been catching trains and planes and automobiles coming out towards the West Coast um, and landing out in the uh, newest areas um, looking for a tree of heaven. I'm, I'm listening to all this going, every day you must wake up and go, I wonder if there's a new invasive species I'm going to have to deal with. <laughs> 
unfortunately, that is kind of the name of the game these days. Um, we're as human beings are really, really good at moving items from from one part of the globe to another. Um, and as we get even better and better and better at that, we accidentally introduce so many new pests and pathogens to our environment that we don't understand yet or don't know what the ramifications would be. And it's absolutely unintentional. So we find new ways for these new invasives to um, move around and new uh, modes of transport. Uh, a year ago, about, I got a phone call from a woman whose husband flew um, a commercial airliner and he found one of a spotted lantern fly in his cockpit. And so you just never know what the next day is going to bring, unfortunately, with my job, which makes it most exciting, but also overwhelming sometimes. Um, along with spotted lanternfly, of course, this time of year, we're also looking for signs of Asian longhorn beetle. Um, you could find um, sawdust around the base of a tree or um, perhaps um, dime-sized holes in your hardwoods. Uh, that would be a sign of, of that uh, insect coming in. And then, of course, we're also looking for, in the nursery industry, a new pest that has shown up in the last couple of years called boxwood tree moth, which is a light-colored moth that comes in and the caterpillars can completely defoliate a boxwood bush or a boxwood tree. Um, so these are just some of the highlights of things that were on. The, this the is a day in the life of Megan of Abraham. <laughs> yes, it is. It's very exciting, but can be completely overwhelming, especially since I've got some fantastic staff. We've got a staff of 12 inspectors that work throughout the state and are assigned to different counties, but they can't be everywhere at once. So we really, really rely on your listeners and folks in the general public to let us know when they see uh, something that doesn't look right, something new and different. Uh, send us a picture, send us an email, send us a tweet, um, and we can identify what you're looking at, see if it's a native or something we've never noticed before. Um, those websites and um, reporting tools, um, we've got a website, we've got an email, we've got uh, even an app now we've developed called Report IN, Report Indiana, um, that you can download pictures and GPS points of things that you see out there that you want identified. Um, and we've got an 800 number if you like to go old school and do 866-NO-EXOTIC. That's our phone number here in the offices, and we return phone calls daily to folks that are interested in what they're seeing out in the environment. I think this is fascinating. Uh, Megan, you are always full of great information, and I know it might seem overwhelming, but we're appreciative for keeping the population safe, our nurseries and things that our consumers rely on, and this info is all good. So as always, Megan Abraham, our state entomologist, thank you so much for being with us on Indiana Outdoors today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Boy, I tell you what, you miss a day, you miss a lot on the Indian Outdoor Show. We got uh, spotted lantern flies and we got flamingos. Lord in heaven, what's happening? It is the Indian Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Many thanks to Megan and those guests who make this show what it is. We're going to be back. It is the Indian Outdoor Show brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. What a great
great day to be alive. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Beautiful weekend here in the state of Indiana. How could it not be on this last Saturday show of September? That means, guess what? We're into October, one of my favorite parts of the year, the last quarter of the year. We couldn't do this show without you, the stations, or our friends at Indiana Donor Network, driven to savelives.org. Sign up to be an organ and tissue when you buy that fall hunting license. Couldn't be any easier or go to the website driven to the number two save lives dot org. Save eight lives, heal up to 75 others. What a great show we've had so far. We've talked about all the weirdness that's going on in the state of Indiana amongst, you know, as the world isn't messed up. We got flamingos in the state. Thanks to Allison Gillette, our non-game bird biologist, for informing us of that. I'm fascinated. I could have talked for hours about that. Megan Abraham, we got the spotter and lantern fly. So there's a little wackiness going on in the state of Indiana. But let's come back to normal here for just a minute because the fall brings so many unique opportunities. And a lot of folks in the great outdoors are asked to contribute their time and talents. And joining me at this time is Ethan Plamier, and he is the assistant pro, uh, property manager down at a place we know and love called Goose Pond. Ethan, it's great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors. I understand next weekend you guys are going to be doing nothing but sitting around, right? What is that all about? That's the right. big sit. What's that? That that's right. Uh, and thanks, Brian. And it's good to be here. Um, the big sit is uh, it's a cool thing. It's this. You got to be very articulate, but before you begin, you got to be very articulate. I just found by saying the big sit, I have to be very I have to be very person, very pronounced in how I say that, or else you know this could not become a family show very quickly. Anyway, keep going. Good call. Okay, Um, yeah, the the big sit is a uh, a free um, annual international birding event that's open to anybody. Um, You can do this anywhere. You don't have to be Goose Pond. So anyone anyone in Indiana who uh, can't make it down next week, um, you know, they can always do this from their house. So what the big sit is, um, is a, a birding day. It's a day where folks who are passionate about birds uh, or maybe just interested in birds want to maybe just want to see what they can find. Um, uh, they, they just tally up what they can find in that day. So uh, back in 1992, um, the New Haven Bird Club up in Connecticut put together this idea of making this like competitive challenge out of birding. Um, and, and what they came up with was this big sit idea where you sit in a 17 foot circle, no bigger than 17 foot across. Um, and for 24 hours, you count every bird that you can see from that 17 foot circle, uh, and see how many you can come up with. Now, uh, we are open 24 hours a day and we are happy (laughs) to have people there for the whole 24 hours. I am not that passionate of a birder. Uh, so I'm going to be there uh, and my, my colleagues will be there um, probably from 7 a.m. Um, until about 5 p.m. that day. Um, and we'll be welcoming people in. You can uh, you can isolate yourself to that 17 feet. You can party up with a bunch of other folks. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on. We've got um, our wild game lunch. We're going to have some uh, venison chili and teal poppers. And I think I'm bringing some squirrels and maybe a beaver haunch if I can get a hold of one. Oh, um, boy. Oh, boy. So there's going to be some good stuff going. Um, 
and then you know counting all those birds that are coming in for the for the big fall migration so many uh, questions so many questions so you actually want people to give a sit this time right oh see what i did there that's a terrible radio joke <laughs> so are people assigned to an area or is this like a big tailgate it's like a big tailgate. You can pick your spot. Um, you're not assigned an area. We're not going to, you know, they, it, 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 they, they have these rules um, for, you know, the, the really hardcore people that want to do the 24 hour thing. But, you know, a lot of our folks are going to be more, well, we're going to hang around for two or three hours and see what we can find. Um, and that's great. Um, so, you know, we're not assigning spots. People can go wherever they want to on the property. Uh, but up at the visitor center um, is where we're going to be having uh, lunch and, and kind of the festivities. Well, I can see turning this into a little party thing, but that's always where my mind oh, yeah. goes. So you're sitting there in a 17-foot circle, and you're counting over this 24-hour period of time any birds that you see. Do you have to know what you're looking at, or are you just looking for the number of birds? Um, so there are kind of two ways you can do it. Um, you can just count the number of birds you see, just, just you know, one through however many. Uh, or you can get more species specific if you're confident with your bird identifications. Um, or you can party up with someone who is a little bit more, um, uh, you know, bird knowledgeable. We'll have staff there on site uh, who can help identify birds. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to be a bird expert to participate in the big sit. Thank God, because I, I was out dove hunting a few weeks ago, and if you're asking me to sit in a 17-foot circle to count the number of starlings that I saw, no dove, <laughs> I would have told you I'm yeah. out after five minutes. I, I can't count yeah. that high. Can't so what do, you, high, what do yeah. you do with these numbers? What is the competition? What, what happens after the, the big sit? <clears throat> So uh, the, the big sit numbers, um, you can either submit them yourself or you can give them to, to me or uh, another member of our staff. Um, and then the big sit actually has its own organizational website. They are, it's a worldwide thing now. Um, uh, so you can go on there and you can log your, your, um, your sightings there. Uh, and you can also see what everyone else in the world counted that day. So you can just see this crazy amount of bird data that's coming in. Um, you know, every year, um, just from this one, um, this one event. So it's a really cool opportunity for birders. It's a really cool opportunity for scientists, um, to be able to, you know, see these, these migration movements and year after year, they're starting to see, you know, um, various changes and things like that. It, it, it's a really interesting thing and it, it's a really cool a really cool opportunity, I think. Well, like you, I'm not a passionate birder. I don't know my species very well. Uh, I enjoy watching birds. If I'm up in a tree stand yeah. or if I'm out on a duck hunt and on the water, I love watching the birds. That's fascinating. But I, I'm pretty I, the, good with the birds that I can bring down, you know, yeah. and, and, and eat. <laughs> pretty good with those. Well, you weren't it's with me. a little me. hairier with some of the sparrows and things like that. You weren't yeah. with me on my dove hunt because we didn't see one darn dove the entire afternoon except the blazing hot uh, air from hell that was breathing in that air that day. And the sun was straight from the devil himself. So it was a miserable afternoon. <laughs> But anyway, I'm yep, so glad a few of those already. I'm so glad that uh, you brought this to everybody's attention. Do you want people to register? Is it just show up? Where can they get information? Just, you just show up. Um, you can you can get more information. You can go to the big sit dot org. Um, that's their that's their organizational website. Um, or you can go to um, the Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area homepage. Um, and down at the bottom, there's like our little calendar. 
Uh, and you can click on that on the Big Sit event and get more information about our specific event. That is the Big Sit event. I have so many things that I've wanted to go off on a tangent on, but I, in my professionalism, and choosing not to because I'm just that good. But this lends itself to some fun stuff, but it's a great resource. Glad you guys are doing this. Big international event and Goose Pond, one of Indiana's great natural resources. Ethan, thank you so much. Best of luck. Don't be a stranger on Indian Outdoors. Absolutely. Thank you. And then uh, anytime you want to chase down any of those tangents, you just give me a call. (laughs) I sure will. (laughs) Have a good one. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, the big sit coming up next weekend. Thank you to Ethan and thanks to all of our guests. Don't go anywhere. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show back right after this. Just when you think things can't get any stranger in this world. Oh, but wait, Mother Nature will throw you a curve. How about flamingos in the state of Indiana? Dogs and cats getting along. I say it all the time, but I love this show as much as I hope you do. Allison Gillette tells us that there is a wayward flamingo in the state of indiana but we are not alone they're as far north as wisconsin one would deduce they aren't in kansas anymore not literally but figuratively you know what i'm trying to say many thanks that's what we love doing here on the indiana outdoor show and allison gillette our non-game bird biologist followed by megan abraham our state entomologist talking about another invasive species the spotted lantern fly if i was i i love doing this because i'm not aware of all of these bugs and critters but folks like megan it causes major concern for and uh, just go and check out their website and like i did what the heck is a spotted lantern fly even look like so uh we also have the big sit And as Ethan said, you need to Google the big sit. I hope you Google that exactly correctly or you might get something you're not anticipating. Remember, folks, we always have a little fun here. It's Indiana Outdoor Show. Turn in a poacher, 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R. Go enjoy the big sit next weekend, everybody. See you outside. Be safe. Be safe.